0: You are listening to Country Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo, and I'm John Davis. Brady.
1: Hey, Bo. Good morning, man. Hey, good morning to you, too, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, doing doing good. Man. Okay, all right. We got to let him know. Tell him what you had for breakfast this morning. Oh, oh, yeah. I had an ego waffle. You had an ego waffle. I think the last time I had one of those was.
0: 1996 i tell you what man we we (laughs) took it back to the 90s this morning i woke up
1: early i went out to the store i was like yeah we need we need some breakfast we had this massive amount of food last night at our at our disposal what was the name of that uh that barbecue pinkerton's barbecue was fantastic it was was
0: righteous man oh really really good. good yeah
1: but so that's the thing we had like and i was like all right well you know you don't want to go too heavy like well you kind of want something for breakfast, and I'm 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 combing through the CVS, and I see CBS. in the freezer <laughs> a, like a, a thing of Eggo waffles, and I'm like, man, I haven't had Eggo waffles since I was a kid. It it's is time, a, man. It was great. It was awesome. It's yeah, like it's it like a uh, it's like a time machine. Like it it turned the um the the toaster into you know that movie Hot Tub Time Machine. This was toaster time <laughs> machine. <Yeah. laughs> it's
0: pretty cool. I think I think the last time I had that flavor of Eggo waffle in my mouth, I was yeah. trying to like. Maybe convince my mom that like I should stay home from school because right. I had like a, <laughs> you know what I mean, like some kind of right. like minor ailment or something, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was it was very it was it was tasty, man. I tell you what else is tasty.
1: <laughs> Viva Las Vegas! <laughs> Go to Las Vegas! It's the Las like, Vegas Pipe Show! Oh. Like what else is tasty? Ding,
2: ding, 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 ding.
1: There it is. Oh, they've got they've got buffets in Las Vegas. They got the the you know they the, do. Yeah, I don't know if there'll be a buffet Waffle at the Las buffets. Vegas Pipe. Whoa. Waffle buffets with uh
0: with with imitation crab legs, and, uh, and all that kind of
1: stuff. You no, you can get le- like no no. There's there's some legit the legit crab legs. Yeah, man. Like the Bellagio there. has an insane, especially like their Sunday brunch. Uh, <laughs> the, you know we're not we're not talking about that. We're talking about the. the, the that's right man we're
0: going to going to Las Vegas for the uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show of course coming up in October of this year That's we're right. so thrilled and you should go to vegaspipeshow.com you can get your tickets you can see the itinerary see all the folks that are going to be involved and of course that is including yours truly and we are, we're we're going to be thrilled to be there you know we will be presenting or be uh, you know performing there a live podcast on Saturday from five to seven. So uh, man, come see us. We look forward to interacting with you, getting to, getting to hug some necks and meet some people. And it's going to be fun, man. Brian's Brian's put a lot of hard work into this. We're excited about it.
1: That's right. Joining the great names of, uh, of, uh, uh, what's the, David Blaine, uh, Share, <laughs> a carrot top, and now Country Squire Radio. Do you think that, that Brian is going to hook us up with like our <laughs> names and lights, like they do in Vegas and you everything? Like Wayne
0: Newton or something?
1: Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, know, I, of course, we're like like the reality is there's so many great podcasters and YouTubers that will be there also doing their own I thing. Think and, that's
0: what's really exciting yeah. about this is that he's you know putting a, putting a lot of effort into you know kind of encouraging the social media and, and new media world you know, around this whole thing. And so it's, um, you know, it's, it's exciting.
1: Yes, sir. It's going to be a blast. Be sure to be there October 21st, the 23rd. And uh, like John David said, check out the website. VegasPipeShow.com. VegasPipeShow.com. Man, of course, uh, we here at Country Squire Radio would not be here without the amazing support of our awesome patrons. Got to give a shout out to two patrons this week, man. We got Matthew King and Dave Branch. Thank y'all so much for supporting the show. And hey, if you'd like to help make this show happen, head over to Patreon.com slash Radio. All right, John David, it is a From the Library episode of Country Squire this week. Yeah. And, you know, last time I got a chance, you know, we had, some, I feel like we had some fun with a little bit more of a lighthearted. No, it was nice. Excerpt, yeah. yeah.
0: It was, it was, I'm trying to think I had to describe it. I mean, you know, she was obviously commenting on, the, us. The, I, on <laughs> us, on us, on, well, on the sillyisms right, of, right, uh, right, you right. know, of, a, you know, maybe certain segment of, uh faux intellectual society and uh (laughs) which the pipe smoker i mean like let's be honest the modern pipe
1: smoker can sometimes fit in
0: sometimes fit into not all of us i I felt a little it was
1: it was probably it was probably good look in the mirror, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it not a good look. It forced you to look in the mirror and say, like, wait, am I authentic? That's right. And, and the reality was like, you own a pipe shop, you blend pipe tobacco. Yes, you are authentic. I can smoke man. a pipe and wear a tweed
0: jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's funny. I actually don't wear a tweed jacket. I don't. I don't own one. Well, well you do a... now. Bring out the tweed. Oh no, yeah. I Actually, don't <laughs> have sadly, that. I do own a cardigan. And cardigan guy sounds like a pretty bad guy. That so, is. Well, um, you also own seersucker worker, though, don't but you? I, but I have seersucker. As well.
1: I feel like so. that's the Southern tweet equivalent.
0: Well, it might be. I think yeah. that's right. All right. Well, anyway, I, I'm, I'm trying to repent of all the bad things and <laughs> lean into the good things. So uh, <laughs> here, here we are. Um, yeah, man, today we actually are going to take a different route altogether. I, I found this really interesting. It's actually a speech, it's a commencement address. It's, you know, you go to college or, you know, graduate from high school and, you know, they, they try to get some kind of dignitary to come in and give a little speech to make you feel good about. You know, spending all this money, getting in all this debt, and going out on your own and embarking on this life of that's going to be fraught with uh disaster. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I
1: think when I... Do you remember who gave your commencement address at, at MC? At MC. You know, I have such a poor mindset around almost everything about mc except for the fact i met my wife there <laughs> i i could i could not have cared less about the commencement the yeah. graduation
0: and i think that's how most people yeah. feel. I, I do remember mine because i got to meet it was uh senator thad cochran gave our uh, well that ain't address. nothing and i you know and that, that was kind of neat I, I got to meet him and shake his hand so that was kind of cool but you know I, I don't remember any of the content of his speech or anything sure. like that but but you know some people you know you go to one of these military academies or some blue blood ivy league school and a lot of times they get these really you know heavy hitters to come do the commencement addresses and anyway kind of cool there is a college i believe it's in ohio called kenyon college and in 2005 they had a famous author writer professor come speak there it's a, a man that's sadly now deceased his name was david foster wallace and he gave the commencement address there for the graduating class in may of 2005 Wallace, highly acclaimed author of Infinite Jest in 1996, and he was a young mind that was kind of seen to be one of the more respected, free-thinking, you know, uh, I, I don't know, folk, folks look to him as kind of a, you know, the voice of the age type of thing, late 90s, early 2000s, and um, anyway, so a smart guy and, um, you know, obviously a prolific writer. And Infinite Jest was kind of seen as a a, a writing of its time, you know, something that was really looked to. But anyway, tragically took his own life in 2008, age 46, real young. So struggled with, you know, severe, you know, mental fatigue. And uh, he was a he was a thinker, you know, he's trying to work a lot of stuff out. And I think it. It was hard on him, you know, but I would have loved to meet him. And certainly, you know, after reading some of his some of his work, you know, I think he was certainly an interesting person. And anyway, so we're going to just read some excerpts of his commencement speech here, which I think is pretty good.
1: This is interesting because, I mean, out of curiosity, is this with the commencement speeches in general? Are they typically like published or or like stored? How did you find this? I I guess is my question. You know, just really just kinda of surfing around. I mean, I, you know, I I'll occasionally go to
0: websites that just have interesting things to read, essays, yeah, uh, poetry, you know, this and that, you know, things that are just kind of like, <laughs> hey, you know, food for the, food for thought kind cardigan of Cardigan guy
1: puts on his cardigan, cardigan guy puts on serves for uh right. insight of the writers of the age. Yeah. The voices you know,
0: of the the, the early two thousands and then and then minds it and brings, you know, some of the hopefully some of the gems back to uh <laughs> back to you. And so uh yeah, so here we are. I'm yeah. looking forward to this, man. I'm- so anyway, we'll see. Um, so he, he is kind of introducing himself and everything. He goes on to say, you know, and it, a lot of these, you know, little hokey stories that kind of come from commencement speeches. You know, it's like these, you know, they have to fill it up with throwaway lines to get to kind of the meat of the
1: um yeah of the topic. Got to warm up the crowd and then kind of, you know, yeah. bring him in with the story and then kind of get <laughs> to the point. Yeah, exactly. So uh,
0: there are two young fish swimming along. And they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit. And then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? (laughs) Of course, (laughs) skipping down, of course, the main requirement of speeches like this is that I'm supposed to talk to you about your liberal arts education's meaning to try to explain why the degree you are about to receive has actual human value instead of just material payoff. So let's talk about the single most pervasive cliche in the commencement speech genre, which is that a liberal arts education is not so much about filling you up with knowledge as it is about teaching you how to think. If you're like me as a student, you've never liked hearing this and you tend to feel a bit insulted by the claim that you needed anybody to teach you how to think since the fact that you even got admitted to college is a pretty good proof that you already know how to think. But I'm going to posit to you that the liberal arts cliché turns out not to be an insulting one at all, because the really significant education in thinking that we're supposed to get in a place like this isn't really about the capacity to think, but rather about the choice of what to think about. If your total freedom of choice regarding what to think about seems too obvious to waste time discussing, I'd ask you to think about fish and water and to bracket for just a few minutes your skepticism about the value of the totally obvious. Here's another didactic little story. There are two guys sitting together in a bar in a remote Alaskan wilderness. One of the guys is religious, the other guy's an atheist. And the two arguing about the existence of God with that special intensity that comes after the fourth beer. We, you and I have had a couple of those haven't we both? <laughs> Yes. Right. Um, going on, he says. And the atheist said, look, and it's not like I don't have actual reasons for not believing in God. It's not like I haven't ever experimented with the whole God and prayer thing. Just last month, I caught away from the camp. I was caught away in the camp from a terrible blizzard and I was totally lost and I couldn't see a thing. And it was 50 below, and so I tried it. I fell to my knees, and and I was in the snow and cried out, Oh, God, if there is a God, I'm lost in this blizzard, and I'm going to die. Won't you help me? And now in the bar, the religious guy looks at the atheist, all puzzled. Well, then you must believe now. After all, here you are, alive. (laughs) And the atheist just rolls his eyes and says, No, man, all that was just a couple of Eskimos happened to come by right after, watching by, show me the way back to camp. It's easy to run this story through the kind of standard liberal arts analysis. The exact same experience can mean two totally different things to two totally different people. Given these people's two different belief templates and two different ways of constructing meaning from experience. Because we prize tolerance and diversity of belief, nowhere in our liberal arts analysis do we want to claim that one guy's interpretation is true and the other guy's is false or bad. Which is fine, except that we also never end up talking about just where these individual templates and beliefs come from, meaning they're, they come from inside the two guys. As if a person's most basic orientation toward the world and the meaning of his experience were somehow just hardwired, like the height or shoe size, or automatically absorbed from the culture-like language. As if how we construct meaning were not actually a matter of personal intentional choice, Plus, there's the whole matter of arrogance. The non-religious guy is totally certain in his dismissal of the possibility that the passing Eskimos had anything to do with his prayer for help. True, there are plenty of religious people who seem arrogant and certain of their own interpretations, too. They're probably even more repulsive than atheists, at least to most of us. But religious dogmatists' problem is exactly the same as the story's unbeliever. Blind certainty a closed-mindedness that amounts to an imprisonment so total that the prisoner doesn't even know he is locked up. We'll st- so we'll stop there a minute. You know, he's kind of talking about different ways of looking at the world, experiencing things, and and realizing that, like, there's a breadth of ways you can interact with truth. There's a breadth of ways you can interact with knowledge. You know, someone can experience the exact same thing, and and really have a couple of different takeaways walking away from it. Right. They can look at it one way or another. You've got this, uh, you know, this little story of the atheist and the religious guy sitting in the bar and, you know, the atheist is praised for help and a couple Eskimos come by and, you know, show him the way home. And it's like, it's obvious to the prayerful guy that like, Oh, well, you know, the Lord sent these Eskimos to come show you. And the guy's like, well, no, that was just a coincidence. Those Eskimos were out there hunting seals or something, you know? Right. And so it's the, uh, it's the dress, it, the, the black blue versus gold white dress.
1: Remember oh, that I forgot thing?
0: about that. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So what, what do you see when you experience that? Right. So what, what kind of goggles are you looking through mm. as we, you know, as we kind of interpret the world carrying on the point here is that I think this is one part of what teaching me how to think is really supposed to mean to be just a little less arrogant, to have just a little critical awareness about myself and my certainties because a huge percentage of the stuff I tend to be automatically certain of, it mm. turns out is totally wrong or diluted. <laughs> I have learned this the hard way as I predict you graduates will too. Have you ever experienced that bow? Like oh, where you yeah. just, you, you, you feel like you're just, you know, really committed to something or you've taken something for granted and then it's turned out to be either false or only partly true.
1: Well then I guess this is kind of what he's, kind of getting at here. Right. Cause like that is where the whole teaching you how to think kind of comes from. It's, it's really about challenging your own preconceptions, Right. Like, I think so. Yeah, And it's about kind of breaking down, you know, especially like, Oh, well, you know, you, you kind of lean on this mindset because, you know, for whatever reason, like, you know, I, I don't know if, I think I can't remember if you used the word like hardwired or yeah you know sucked it up from the culture like yada yada i mean like whatever it may be, whatever platitudes you want to put on it right but the the whatever your framework is that you kind of rest on, especially when presented with new information you know that that either does not compute or otherwise that you know you, so what do you you do have to that? be taught to kind of like deconstruct the 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 baselines when especially when challenged with information that is like you know, yeah. like, and it's one of those things when you do that, you, you, you can, you can kind of realize like, you. it's better to realize you are right after having challenged your own mindset. You That's know what I mean? That's the good stuff. Exactly. That's the good stuff. Well, I mean, it's good yeah. to also realize you were wrong and also, you know, adjust accordingly. Yeah, 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 But it's, it's a both end, right? Like right. both are, are, are quality. I think, I think I'm kind of, I think i pick picking up what he's putting down here. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes on to say, here's just one
0: example of the total wrongness of something I tend to be automatically sure of. Everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe. (laughs) The realist, the most vivid and important person in existence. We rarely think about this sort of natural, basic self-centeredness because it's so socially repulsive but it's pretty much the same for all of us. It is our default setting hardwired into our boards at birth. Think about it. There is no experience you have had that you are not the absolute center of. The world as you experience it is there in front of you or behind you or to the left or right of you or on your TV or your monitor and so on.
1: I appreciate the fact that you're like accentuating the you as if as if he's pointing at multiple people in the audience. Yeah, I, right. I, I heard that in your which voice. I think he's doing. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I got that. That's great.
0: Other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow, but your own are so immediate, so urgent, and so real. And I think he's, I think he's onto something there. Obviously, you know, as as we try to grow out of ourselves and you know understand the world from other
1: people's perspectives you know, our own is obviously the most, the most vivid. Yeah. You have to decenter yourself and, and like, especially as, I mean, again, it goes into the whole, like teaching you how to think, right. Like it's it's very specifically decentering yourself because not only is there that natural inclination of you are the main character in your own story, right. Mm -hmm. Like there's that, there's that mindset you have and there's, there's some truth in that in that you literally only know your own experience. Right. And so like that, that is, you know, if, if that, uh if you look at that experience as a story well, then correct you are the protagonist of that story however that's not the only story being told and you're part of a larger story in which all of these people <laughs> have these stories yeah and so to better interact yeah. with the broader you know monomyth story or whatever you want to call it <laughs> uh, what was it the we we've talked about this before but like when multiple stories kind of are all like the meta narrative meta narrative yeah. yeah i mean like to use kind of the language of storytellers from that standpoint, like yeah. when you kind of engage with the larger meta narrative, the 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 metaverse, if you will, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to uh, you have to be willing and able, which is very difficult to to decenter yourself and to yeah. center others or, or kind of broaden that lens for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Skipping down, he says, as I'm sure you guys know by now, it's extremely difficult to stay alert and attentive instead of getting hypnotized by the constant monologue inside your own head, which may be happening right now. 20 years after my own graduation, I've come gradually to understand that the liberal arts cliche about teaching you how to think is actually shorthand for a much deeper, more serious idea. Learning how to think really means learning how to exercise some kind of control over how and what you think. It means being conscious and aware enough to choose what to pay attention to and to choose how to construct meaning from experience. Because if you cannot exercise this kind of choice in adult life, you will be totally hosed. <laughs> think about think of the old cliche about the quote of a mind being an excellent servant but a terrible master. I think that's an interesting point. You know, how to think is is right, but really within that it's like what what we're really saying is what are you going to think about and and how much time are you going to devote to that and what importance are you going to place on it you know Mm -hmm. that's really important skipping down and this paragraph that starts with by way of example he gives this kind of ridiculous scenario it's not ridiculous because it's happened to all of us but you know we're working late at work. And then we realize on the way home that we don't have any supper. And so we got to go by the grocery store and oh, it's yeah. already late at night and we're exhausted, but we have to do this because we don't have anything to eat. But once you get to the grocery store, there's a big line and they're out of everything. And, you know, the folks in the line around you are all, you know, silly and angry and the, you know, someone spills something in front of you and the cashier's in a bad mood and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, so, and in, in, in he's talking like, what do you What do you do with that? You know, so you're there and everything is so annoying and so seemingly, you know, meanless and everyone's Mm. rude and all these things. But skipping way on down, he says, of course, if I'm in a more socially conscious liberal arts form of my default setting, I can spend time in the end of the day traffic being disgusted about all the huge, stupid lane blocking SUVs, the Hummers, the V12 pickup trucks. You know, going on and on, complaining about the traffic and all this, you know, stuff, just kind of like the, the deal in the, um, you know, the checkout line. And then skipping down, he says, if I choose to think this way in a store and on the freeway, fine, lots of us do. Talking about, you know, just kind of brooding on the negativity of it and on the, you know, inconvenience of it and on the annoyance of it all. He says lots of us do that, uh, except thinking this way tends to be so easy and automatic that it doesn't have to be a choice. It is my natural default setting. It's the automatic way that I experience the boring, frustrating, crowded parts of adult life when I'm operating on the automatic unconscious belief that I'm the center of the world and that my immediate needs and feelings are what should determine the world's priorities. (laughs) The thing is that, of course, there are totally different ways to think about these kinds of situations. In the traffic, all these vehicles stopped and idling in my way it's not impossible that some of these people in SUVs have been in horrible auto accidents in the past and now find driving so terrifying that their therapist has all but ordered them to get a huge, heavy SUV. You know, he goes on to talk about like, you know, maybe the person in the checkout line is, right. you know, having a hard day or maybe it's, you know, the, um, you know, the fir- the person behind the, uh, you know, the, the cashier may have uh, had difficulty with their daughter that morning or something mm. like that, you know. He says, but most days, if you're aware enough to give yourself a choice, you can choose to look differently at this fat, dead-eyed, over-made-up lady who just screamed at her kid in the checkout line. Maybe she's not usually like this. Maybe she's just been up three straight nights holding the hand of a husband who's dying of bone cancer. Mm. Or maybe this very lady is the low-wage clerk at the motor vehicle department who just yesterday helped her spouse resolve a horrific infuriating red tape problem through some small act of bureaucratic kindness. Of course, none of this is likely, but it's also not impossible. (laughs) It's about assuming the best. Yeah. It's just assuming the best and, and, and trying to take that as a standpoint of grace, I guess, is what you would, you know, how I would Mm. phrase it. I, I suppose, if you're automatically sure that you know what reality is and you are operating on your default setting, then you, like me, probably won't consider possibilities that aren't annoying and miserable. (laughs) But if you really learn how to pay attention, then you will know there are other options. It will actually be within your power to experience a crowded, hot, slow, consumer hell-type situation as not only meaningful, but sacred, on fire with the same force that made the stars, love, fellowship, the mystical oneness of all things deep down. Hmm. This, I submit, skipping a little bit, uh, this I submit is the freedom of a real education, of learning how to be well-adjusted. You get to consciously decide what has meaning and what doesn't. You get to decide what to worship. Because here's something else that's weird to me. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping.
1: Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. It's interesting. I uh, I want to be respectful to our atheist listeners, but it is interesting that I get frustrated, especially in like religious podcast like competitions, how when like the atheist podcasts end up winning. Right, I'm like, but I thought y'all were atheists. Why are y'all in the religious category? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, huh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of
0: it's it's fascinating. I do. Think, I think
1: there's an admittance of truth in that, though, right?
0: Like, well, it's yeah, well, go, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I do think we we pick what to worship. I mean, you, you mm. can, and now we talk about the definition of worship. Worship, you know, and what does that mean? Is it, you know, have a religious significance, or is there a sense in which it's a, you know, something that we are you know, consumed with or obsessed with or, you know, seek after. And, you know, so we, we get to define that, I guess. But, you know, in my mind, we do we do worship something. And so it's like, what are what are you going to worship? And, you know, I think, you know, for those of us that have found it in spiritual significance that, you know, that that maintains one kind of reality and
1: other folks have seemed to find it in different ways. And so well, I mean, even in like the religious community, even in like Christian circles like there's an acknowledgement of like well we know we're supposed to worship God but we end up worshipping other things right like right. it's the the constant right. worship of money or yeah pursuit of career or whatever it is i mean like there's a we're always
0: being turned
1: exactly. to this and that we're yeah, all yeah. we're
0: constantly being turned to this and that yeah. you know these the little idols that that pop up and so that's interesting yeah de- skipping down he says the so-called real world will not discourage you from operating on your default settings Because the so-called real world of men and money and power hums merrily along in a pool of fear and anger and frustration, craving and worship of self. Our own present culture has harnessed these forces in ways that have yielded extraordinary wealth and comfort and personal freedom. The freedom to all be lords of our tiny skull-sized kingdoms alone at the center of all creation. (laughs) The really important, skipping down the really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline and being able to truly care about other people and to sacrifice for them over and over in myriad petty, unsexy ways every day. That is real freedom. That is being educated and understanding how to think. The alternative is unconsciousness, the default setting, the rat race, the constant gnawing sense of having had and lost some infinite thing. So we'll stop there. But I I think kind of what he's gotten at here is that you know, life is full of day-to-day struggle. It's full of day-to-day inconvenience and frustration and grind. And so it's like, what do we do with that? Like, do do we you know, he I think what it what Wallace is saying is that we have the we have the opportunity to choose how to interact with that truth. Hmm. Like, are we going to interact with it in a way where we start to think of it as, you know, all an inconvenience to us that, you know, we need to in some way order more appropriately so that our own way is smoother. Or do we interact with it more humbly perhaps in a way where we understand that we have an opportunity to serve other humans that are going through the same insane life as we are all while trying to take care of ourselves and our families, you know? So I, I I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting concept that he's, that he's positing here. It's like, how do we, how do we interact with the world and knowing that we are worshiping something, knowing that there is a way to think of others in the midst of this and hopefully to look out for self, but, but really to look out more for this kind of overarching story and the betterment
1: of others, you know, I Mm. I
0: think that's kind of interesting.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Anybody that's given a commencement speech to students, I think has to kind of try to think a little, it always gets a little self-referential, right? like everybody's does, this one started out like extremely self-referential and just, you know, and even was like, all right, I'm going to give you like a cliche, but let me explain why, why I'm giving you a cliche because there's, (laughs) because there's truth here, right? Like we're, we're going to dive into the reality of like, you know, like, Yes, you got an education. Good for you. And and yes, you have like opportunities ahead of you. Good for you. And yes, just like everyone has told you, once you get out of college, the real world hits and it hits kind of hard. You right. know, like that's that's true. Everything that you've been told is is correct. You know what I mean? As it relates to all of this. So what really matters? Right. And that's kind of what he's he's driving through at is like, well, you know, it's not. And then, how do we get to what really matters without me just sound, sending off like a bunch of platitudes and cliches and everything else? Right. Well, like, like let's just be real here. Like, you know, in the end, or as as you're kind of going along your daily life, you can, you know, completely tune out. You can kind of, you know, as he says, kind of find worship in what you're what you're doing, or in kind of, you know, building up self or trying to, you know, organize your life in just such a way so that you think that you've kind of got it perfectly balanced. Mm -hmm. But by taking a step back and realizing the humanity of those around you, the, the, the need Mm -hmm. to use the, the privilege of your education, the resources that you've been given and and which are able to generate for, you know, the betterment of those around you as well. And like raise up, you know, uh, everyone around you and treating them with, as you mentioned, that, that grace that recognizes They're humans too. You're going to have those bad days and you can't take them out on everyone around you. You're going to see somebody that in some form or fashion disgusts you. Maybe it's something they said. Maybe it's something they did. Maybe it's something they're wearing. Maybe it's, you know, they got a giant something on their face. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it may be, like, you know, when you rush to make these judgments that are deplorable, like whatever it may be, you gotta, you gotta take that pause. You gotta, you know, reel back in. You have to treat them and with that grace of recognize of of thinking the best of who this person could potentially be, mm-hmm. knowing that you'll never know that you're not going to st- stop here. Like, hey, let me ask you a bunch of questions about your life. Like, how do you actually project on the best possible scenario? It's the same way, and he doesn't get into this. It's the same way in which we need to do a better job of giving people grace in discussion and arguments, especially yeah. broadly in yeah. this country. Anyway, I think probably globally at the moment, but. Where we, we, we do a better job of not looking for the worst version of what they're trying to say, say. you know what I mean? Like hmm. actually go into hmm. hear somebody with a gracious attitude mm-hmm. of like, you know, oh, you know, you mean X, Y, and Z It's like, they didn't say X, Y, and Z. You're now projecting <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Because that's in your mind, like the worst version of that thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, you're not coming into this, like with a charitable mindset of like trying to hear what they're actually saying. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, even beyond that, if somebody presents an argument to you that comes across as offensive or, or whatever it may be trying to look for like the truth of what they're actually saying, I was talking to my wife the other day about, and actually we talked about this a little bit on father to father about the kind of the anger right that you kind of like yeah. some like you, you rush to anger it bubbles and sort up of thing. yeah and one of the things that you know my wife has mentioned before is just kind of looking through the anger and seeing kind of the hurt and to kind of like mm. bring it in kind of more of a, a childlike wonderment i've been watching avatar with the kids right yeah and yeah. Y- are you familiar with this cartoon at all like your kids aren't old enough for this no okay but i mean like it's not just a kid's cartoon. i think people you know older people like it as well but there's this scene where Aang, who's like the main character, right? He's the, the avatar, right? And he's got this flying bison, okay? It's like this giant like creature that looks kind of like that that big thing that they rode on in the never-ending story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. big
0: dog thing. Yeah, the big yeah. dog
1: thing. And and his 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 buddy, his uh Appa is the name of the thing, gets kidnapped and taken away from him. And like he's just he's crushed. And he think like, like he's so like just absolutely just distraught and he goes into this thing called the avatar state where he just like like all of his powers activate and he's like tearing everything else you hear like the voices of all of his past lives are coming through and it's just like this uh uh-huh. like terrifying thing because he's also a child on top of that yeah. and it's just like exuding all of this unchecked power and his friend comes up to him like everybody else is terrified of him she just walks up to him and she just hugs him hmm. I started crying watching that scene Hmm. because she saw through the anger to the hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like, I think that, I mean, Mm. like to get back to, to this, it's a lot of times. That's what we have to do is we have to be extremely, we have to have like a radical charity in the way in which we engage one another in order to try to like, like fix where we are as a society right now, in my mind, radical charity. Yeah. It, that, and I don't mean, I don't mean just finan- financially is good, of course, but no, I'm no, talking no, about no. like I, from a
0: yeah. You know. I, I'm 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 with you. Yeah, th- there's a thought process that folks use that requires what they call curiosity. You know about <laughs> I've heard of curiosity.
1: Yeah, have you heard of <laughs> curiosity? It's this thing. <laughs> no, tell yeah. me about it. I I find myself I I, I can't describe What's the word. What's the word? <laughs> right,
0: where I'm interested in this thing that I'm un- unaware of. Right, yeah. right. So, but it, but that natural. It's a curiosity. It's like so someone does something that you would normally become repulsed at. Right. But instead of reacting to that out of your initial, you know, what Wallace calls that hardwired kind of self, you, you train yourself to react to it in a sense of almost curiosity I'm kind of like, almost like why
1: would that happen
0: like I wonder I wonder what in that person like what's happening for that person to cause them to hmm. behave that way what
1: brought them to this moment
0: and that when you said that yeah I, I, th- I think you said radical charity like a radical charity that, the I that love that it. I love that concept it's like yeah how do you okay so let let's so in the middle of this let's maybe not assume the worst although that might be true the worst like, let's, you know, but let's, let's try to figure out why, like, what, what kind of love does this person need to get to the bottom of this? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's like, if you have a little kid and they start throwing a tantrum because they're, you know, four years old and that's what four year olds do, you treat them not like a, you know, college graduate. <laughs> You know, that's a twenty-five-year-old that's got right. it, their all their cognitive abilities. Why don't
1: and, you have a job? Why are you even here
0: still? You're right. It? Well, it's because you're, you know, poor. You know, and so it's like you. Yeah. So, so, so you treat them with. that. When I was four, I had
1: a lemonade stand, and I'd already invested. Right. <laughs> Where's your four hundred one k? Yeah.
0: But you know, yeah. it, I guess that's kind of the the thing is like. You know, and and there is a time for discipline and for pushback and, and firmness and all that. I mean, obviously, and, I, and I'm one of these people that but that's like way after. And we start with that. Yeah. Stuff, I, I, and, yeah I, and I, I, I want to be clear. I am one of these people that believe in absolute truth. Yeah, I, of course. I, I
1: really am. I but, think everybody does. I, I, I think even people who say they don't do. It's like the same thing yeah. about the worship deal. Like you can say that you're you don't worship anything, but you do. Yeah, like you could say that you don't believe in absolute, but you absolutely do. I think I, I, you know what I mean. I think there are a lot of people that that don't
0: think they believe in absolute truth. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. like but but they do. Like yeah. that's the reality. I, I, yeah. I, but there again, I'm you know I'm not them. But you know it's like how, so how do you approach that with a sense of humility and uh, of like I wonder why this person is thinking in the way that they are so um or behaving that way. So anyway. David Foster Wallace oh, uh, there you go. commencement
1: speech at Kenyon College in 2005. Good stuff. Good Let stuff. us know what you think. You know, the great thing is with with the concept here is it's it's really about kind of that experience of like packing your pipe, having kind of some deeper conversations. Or I mean, I guess last <laughs> time wasn't a deeper conversation, but this time definitely was. Yeah. And so, like, you know, creating that space of like a of a pipe shop and you know, one of the great things is if we're if we're packing the pipe with some good quality pipe tobacco, we want to make sure we're getting the best quality smoke we can get. And that's why we enjoy our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. <laughs> that's exactly right, man. Of course,
0: uh, Missouri Meerschaum has come out with their line, Back to Our Roots. Woo! And it's a cool, cool line. I love these uh, classic shapes. That they've kind of modified a little bit to make uh, edgy and funky and fun. Uh, they've got four different shapes, the Bracken, Maddox, Boone, and Xenon and uh, today we're going to talk about the Maddox. It's a really nice pear-shaped bowl. It comes in a straight variety, and it's got that genuine hardwood insert in the bowl and a, a really elegant nickel of ferrule at the end of the shank that goes really nicely with this uh, green acrylic stem, and so it's a, a pretty pipe. It kind of looks like a little urn. It's really uh, a little acorn with a, a pivot at the top. It's just very attractive and, mean, very reasonably priced, so Check it out. You can go to corncobpipe.com and order it right there. Maybe pick up a couple other items, some other pipes, some uh, merchandise, gear. They've got t shirts and hats, all kinds of fun stuff. And the folks at Missouri Meerschaum
1: in Washington, Missouri will ship it right to your front door. And big thanks to our good friends at Missouri Mission for sponsoring
2: this show. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.
1: Pipe question of the week this week coming in from Frank, who writes on saying, Can I damage my pipe with a pipe cleaner? Specifically, the metal. (laughs) Boy, we've heard it all now. All right, specifically the metal piece inside the cleaner. I recently used some, (laughs) let's just say, sub quality cleaners and noticed the metal in the middle was exposed in the sharpness and was sharp to the touch. Uh, I inserted into my pipe and could swear I felt scratching occurring inside the pipe, and thus my soul did I damage anything? Could I damage anything? Please help, and that's from frank that that's funny. Can I damage something with a pipe cleaner?
0: It's like <laughs> but this is a legit question from Frank, so yeah, you know i I guess you could, but I don't think you did i, I you know, I've experienced that before where I've put the pipe cleaner into the air passage of the pipe and you kind of hear it or feel it, the resistance a little bit scrape against the inside of the acrylic or the ebonite or whatever it is, is that ideal? Maybe not, but I don't think you've really hurt the integrity of it at all. At the end of the day, a pipe cleaner is something that is creates friction on the inside of your pipe in order to get the gunk out. Right. So like scraping the, good, in right, right. In yeah, in, yeah. in a sense, like you, so you just got various levels of scraping the inside of your pipe, I guess. So, and unless there's some kind of weird situation that I'm not aware of, I, you know, I don't think it, you need to worry about the pipe cleaner hurting your pipe. I, I know the exact sensation you're talking about, Frank, putting the pipe cleaner in your pipe and feeling it kind of, kind of scrape the inside of the, the lining of the, um, the air passage there. You know, when that happens, I, I I'm just not really ever concerned <laughs> about it. So I don't uh, I don't I don't think you're I don't think you have anything to be worried about,
1: bro. I have to say, it evokes the sound of like fingernails scratching on a chalk like on a chalkboard <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like no, but
0: you know, and uh, and even like if you think about even what we do, like when we polish pipes, when yeah. we polish the outside of a stem, what we're doing in that is we're actually removing material. Like we're at you know when yeah. you when you polish something, you're not it doesn't just magically make it shiny. Like you actually are removing material to make it do that. It's like washing so, dishes, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, so
1: you're, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. At the, every, every, Everything's fine. That's all right. So <laughs> Frank, your pipes are strong. You'll, you'll, uh, and, and the pipe cleaner is doing exactly what it's supposed to. So doing good. Hey, and by the way, if you've got a pipe question for us, send it into the show, show at country squire radio.com. You know, it makes me think of Jack reach. No wait, what's what's the one where Keanu Reeves is an assassin? John John somebody. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? There's like a like like a like a movie trilogy relatively recently that came out where You're asking
0: it, me if I know about a movie trilogy yeah, really. involving Keanu Reeves that is not the main one that he's that everyone associates with him? <laughs> anyway, I
1: just I just I feel like he could I feel like he could have killed somebody with a pipe cleaner. He's like one of those <laughs> like, you know, That's hardcore assassin yeah. type deal. <laughs>
2: Your Your thoughts, thoughts, your your comments. comments. Listener (laughs) Feedback.
1: All right, here we go. Listener Feedback. It's coming in from John. This is what John has to say to us. Dear Bo and John David, earlier today I ordered a fifth of Cedar Ridge bourbon and had it sent to the Squire. Hmm? What's the Cedar Ridge bourbon? Yeah. You know about those. Yeah. Okay. And I want to let you guys know a little bit about it. Whether or not you decide to include it in a future Squire Select, I wanted to share a little bit of Iowa with you. Okay, so you didn't bring me whale song, and you didn't bring me no <laughs> bourbon from the from, the, from a listener of As the Matter of fact, I don't even know like, this this precious email from John. I mean, uh-huh. John must be deluded because I don't remember getting any. Uh-
0: I don't I don't remember. You
1: just said, you just said you know what he's talking I don't, about. I don't think I know what he's talking wow. about. Wow. Wow. He said, uh, <laughs> uh, I was one of my homes, which was also included Oklahoma, Northeast Italy, Chicago, and Ethiopia. And wow. if I'm being honest, I'm surprised at how I've come to love and appreciate the people and the lands as much as I do. It is a truly great place to raise a family. That said, although I have had this whiskey in a handful of mixed drinks at various restaurants, I hadn't tried it straight until I ordered some for myself along. Aside my order for you guys, I'm told that it's the best whiskey made in Iowa and that it wins awards nationally. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Enjoy and thanks for the community that you have all cultivated. He also says, P.S. John David, I wanted to thank you for your patience and your kindness as I stuttered and stammered in front of you at the pipe show. Such is my personality uh, that although I'm sure that you can both enjoy and appreciate being irritated by folks coming up to you at events, all I can think is that I'm probably being a nuisance, which... Distracts me from what I'm saying, which ironically actually makes me more of a nuisance than I did (laughs) right. I imagine that one of more unexpected challenges of hosting a popular long running podcast is that folks like me can know quite a bit about you and can feel like they know you while you, of course, know essentially nothing about them. I don't know them at all. Anyway, I'm glad I got to meet you and thank you in person uh, for how you and Bo have helped me over the last couple of years. Oh, your man. brother in Christ. That's John.
0: Oh, dude, John, man, it was a pleasure meeting you in Chicago. I'm so glad you came up and man, please don't, uh, please don't apo- it, apologize for that. It, you know, it, it is funny. Uh, the sensation you describe is yeah. very true. Like, you know, folks come up and they ask you about, Oh, what's going on with your kids? And as your dog and you know, you, Oh, I heard, you know, you went on this vacation. How was that? And it's like, What's your name again? You know, I, <laughs> right, so I mean, we, you know, it, right, it's right. just part of the territory. But yeah. um, and I'm honored, and um, and it just, you know, that you, you took um the time that you did out of your, you know, trip to Chicago to come say hey, and uh, means a lot to me, man. It means we've um we've done a little something good. So yeah. I mean, it's great. Thank you for the whiskey. Eventually, I'll share it with Bo, but uh, did not pack <laughs> oh,
1: it. Oh, oh, oh! So now yeah, you okay, remember it again. Remember okay, it. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. great. That's great. Um,
0: yeah, I didn't pack it on this trip because I had to actually make a previous stop. Uh, on the trip uh, before I got here. Actually, that's not why I didn't pack it. I was about I, to say, like, look at you making up excuses. I didn't, yeah, I did you know, I mean, that that's a good reason why I would not have
1: packed it, but uh-huh. I didn't
0: pack it because I didn't think to, because... I don't want to share my booze. Wow. You know?
1: <laughs> See, and I was actually going to be very super charitable and assume the best right. in this situation. And you just, what do you, you say? Radical charity? Radical is that, charity. Is there, I, need, yeah. I need some, your radical.
0: charity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I got some absolute truth for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hey, this is great. Thank you so much for this feedback. And Hey, if y'all want to send some feedback into the show, you can do it. Uh, show at country square radio, but of course all our contact information and more can be found at country radio.com. John David dude I had fun yeah you know from the library it's interesting I think this is our first speech so that was uh, that was different but I liked yeah. I liked um, I liked your inflections throughout
0: yeah we'll see I thought know, that yeah was... yeah it's uh
1: you know maybe maybe I'd make like a good like
0: uh you know D or C or D list of you know speech writers like <laughs> wait you didn't write the speech no I didn't I didn't write I mean spe- <laughs> speech performer speech performer
1: speech giver <laughs> professional speaker I think is what they're calling. <sighs> anyway let's all right. go have a day let's go have a day